Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Telling Everybody Everything, December 29th, the day that my new stand-up special misses is released on Sky TV and Now TV. You should subscribe to Sky. This is not an ad, but I really think that you should. And if you can't, because you live in a listed church conversion like I did for so long, that is when you discover Now TV. You can get Now TV, I don't know, how, what it's discounted right now anyway. I think you can even get a free trial. I don't know. Um, and like I said, it doesn't matter because this is not an ad, but you can watch HBO stuff on there. You can watch MTV and Comedy Central on there. You can watch White Lotus, which is a program everyone's been talking about. That's how we watch Succession. They have a bunch of Christmas movies and they also have a kids channel on there like they do on so many streaming services where you can just get cartoons and stuff. Also, if you subscribe, you can watch Romantic Getaway, my comedy series written by Ramesh Raganathan. Uh, that comes out on New Year's Day. You can watch Rob Beckett's comedy special that just came out on Boxing Day. There's so much comedy on Sky. There are music thingies, specials about Dolly Parton that I enjoyed. Um, I even think the Britney thing is on there. Um, you can watch kids stuff, movies, you know, it's uh, cinema pass, entertainment pass, whatever. It's got a lot. So just look at it. See if there's something you like on there. Um, and hopefully you watch my special and then you keep Sky and you keep Now TV because they're great. Guys, solidarity to anyone who has a sick baby in the freaking winter. I have two babies already. Fred, Violet, born in June. Fred had reflux, but he was never sick. And Violet, I swear to God, is like the Bruce Willis of all babies. She was never, ever sick for like the first five years of her life. I was so spoiled with her. She just never touched wood, got ill. And I hope that that strong constitution continues throughout her life. We're very blessed with Violet, a real non-problematic child. But Fena caught our family cold when she was only probably four days old, five days old. Oh, she was exactly seven days old when she started coughing. And my God, a baby that small. You can hear her now. She just sneezed. Fun. A baby that small with a cough. You're just powerless because they don't know how to cough they don't know how to breathe if they're congested and a baby can take a turn for the worst really quickly so you basically just have to take their temperature constantly make sure they're feeding make sure their little fontanelle on their head is not sunken or swollen make sure that um you know they don't seem to be struggling to breathe and they don't have a high high temperature and then if it goes bad then you're an A&E like that and that's not a place that you want to be with your child. And uh, I'm learning from Bobby. Like, Bobby and I have some different views on things. Not many things. But, and you know, there are things like, uh, you don't have to have a partner. But if you're looking for one, just make sure that you have very similar core values. And then you can disagree about little things. And if you're good at communicating then none of those disagreements have to turn into like a deal breaker or a fight. As long as you continue to respect each other, you're all right. So one of the things uh, that we disagree on is packets. Bobby likes to give Fred packets of baby food still. Fred's 18 months. And even the best, most organic baby food, I believe, is highly processed. 
if they can grind it down and put it in a packet and that packet can last a long time without going off, then I don't think it has any live, you know, elements of it, any live bacteria in it. And like, you need to establish a healthy gut microbiome from a very early age. And if you don't know what that means, you know, not all food is food. Some food is like sustenance, it'll fill you up, but it doesn't actually have any live healthy gut bacteria, any live vitamins. Like it, it's not food, it's dead food. So um, I believe in giving Fred like actual food. And even food is less food than it used to be because of pesticides and bioengineering and all these things. But like I believe in cutting him up apples and bananas and tomatoes and strawberries and giving him that. And Bobby likes to give him packets. And we both want to kill each other sometimes when the packets come out. Because Bobby feels like, fuck you, he'll eat it. Don't be such a nag. And I feel like, oh, I really don't want to be a nag, but I also really don't want my son eating those packets. But at the end of the day, is it going to hurt him? No. Bobby likes giving it to him. Fred does need to eat. So like we just kind of, we compromise on that. And Bobby does make Fred fresh, healthy food as well. But I just fucking hate these packets. Um, Secondly, is Bobby believes in going to the doctor. (laughs) Not for himself, but like for the kids. So they've all had this terrible cough, and he's like, we need a doctor. I'm like, for what? A doctor, I'm sorry, cannot do anything for your under two-year-old unless your under two-year-old has an active bacteria. You need antibiotics, so like fighting bacteria against bacteria, antibiotics for bacteria. So this would be like strep. If you have a specific infection, then yes, you need antibiotics. Penicillin is life-changing and has saved civilization. However, if you are suffering from a virus, then antibiotics can't help you. And I, I get so frustrated with so much of the world going, oh my God, my baby needs antibiotics. For what? Not to fight a virus. You give your baby antibiotics for a virus and all you're going to do is kill the, again, the like good bacteria in their stomach. And people my age had too many antibiotics when we were little. We were prescribed antibiotics for everything when we didn't need it. You don't want to have antibiotics very often because when you need them, you need them to work. And then you need to take probiotics to build up your healthy gut bacteria again. It's a whole thing. So what would we do if we took Fenna to the doctor? Okay, well, there'd probably be other sick kids at the doctor. So she'd get like more bugs because everyone's sick right now. And the doctor would look at her and go, yep, this baby has a cold, see ya, and we'd go home to monitor her again. And Bobby is very good. He, you know, we compromise on all these things where we're different. But I said to him, we're not taking Fred in, we're not taking Fenna in. Like, I can tell when they are deteriorating. And if they're really having labored breathing or whatever, we'll go to the A&E with Fenna. Because, like, again, if you, okay, if you have a one-week-old and you feel like that one-week-old is sick, don't listen to me and then like hesitate to go to Annie. You know yourself if your baby really needs urgent medical attention, they can give them oxygen at the Annie. They can like, you know, suction some of their mucus. Maybe, maybe your baby does have bacteria and you don't know. But I was very confident that Fenna didn't. So we've not been to the doctor, though we do have a private doctor friend that we text. He's single right now, ladies, but he's not interested in meeting anyone. But he's an absolute catch. So. You know, put it out into the universe if you want to meet him. And maybe if you're hanging around London, you will. Um, And she's getting better. You know, she's on the mend. I've been steaming her in the shower. I've been trying to give her all the frozen colostrum that I harvested when I was expecting Fenna. Thank goodness I did. But, you know, when they cough, they puke. And that's just been, like, fucking brutal. Um, Another thing Bobby and I disagree on is I have this blanket that matches the wallpaper I have Ellie Cashman wallpaper in the foyer, in the entranceway, and they were kind enough to make me a blanket. They make lots of like soft furnishings too. So the blanket matches the wallpaper, and we put this blanket over the dog cages, uh, which are hidden under the stairs, so that the, they look less unsightly, so that they're kind of camouflaged with the wallpaper. But in the morning, Bobby like flips the blanket off, and he just puts it over the cages at night. And I'm like, Bobby, I don't care what the cages look like at night, because no one's in our house at night. I care what the cages look like in the day. Please keep the blanket over the cages in the day. And that's it. Those are the only things we argue about. Um, My new special has been called The Roast of Bobby Kustra. I don't feel that it is roasting my husband. Yes, it is about me being a hypocrite and telling people that they 
could do it alone and they didn't need a man. And I stand by all of that. You can be so happy. I was really happy when I met Bobby. I feel like that was crucial to me attracting a positive partner. I don't think you need one, but I think if you're going to have one, the only way to find one is when you've got all your ducks in a row and you're not needy. Um, and I don't roast him. I feel like it's an absolute love letter to him. So listen to the special. If you can, let me know what you think. You can always email me telling everybody everything at gmail.com. Huge news in the house. Huge news. We live in Hertfordshire. That's no secret. North London. Hertfordshire Live, the local publication, has a countdown. Sexiest resident every year. Oh my God, we got some sexy residents. We got Victoria Beckham. No, she doesn't currently live here, but I think she's from here. Molly May lives nearby. Molly May from Love Island. Um, Alicia Dixon. We got uh, Talisa from Hertfordshire. A lot of very sexy competitors. Who has been voted the sexiest? Not one. Not two. Three years in a row. It's your boy, Catherine Ryan. Yeah, I'm sexiest person in Hertfordshire for the third year. Holy shit. And you know why that is? It's because I do good PR for the paper. I talk about it. <laughs> no one else. You know, Victoria Beckham's not being like, I have 16th sexiest. You know, she doesn't talk about it. I am a good advertiser for this paper, and I'm very proud to be voted number one. And I want to thank all the hideous, hideous trolls in my neighborhood for making it so easy to waltz across that finish line. Um, the sexiest man, by the way, is G Gino DeCampo. So take that as however you wish. Megan the Stallion. Well, I was going to say she won her court case. She didn't. It, it wasn't her case against Tory Lanes, the man who shot at her five times from a car. This whole thing deserves a podcast in and of itself, but it's very complicated. Uh gosh, like a very nuanced experience of the black woman in America and how unprotected she is. And I feel like I'm not the person to tackle what's happened, but I have fucking eyes. And I know I saw that video. And lots of you emailed me to say that you saw the video too before it disappeared from the internet. Before the video of Megan Thee Stallion uh, like limping away with a bloody foot, there was an original video taken on someone's phone of the shooting. And you saw pop, pop, pop coming from the car. And you saw her kind of jumping around trying to avoid these bullets coming from the car that she had just been sat in. And one of the bullets did hit her foot. And a surgeon confirmed that a bullet hit her foot and statements were changed. And there's this real big thing to unpack about black women protecting the black men in their communities. And oh, I just couldn't believe when the verdict um, it was the state versus this man, because obviously it wasn't her bringing these charges. It's like the state says you can't shoot a woman, uh, thankfully for now. Um, he was found guilty and he's going to be sentenced to like up to 20 years in jail. He hasn't been sentenced yet, but he's been taken into custody. His fucking family, like his father struts out of this courtroom being like, oh, this is the greatest injustice in the history of the world. Slow down, sir. Your son shot a woman five times. We all saw it. Shot at a woman five times, whatever. And during the case, they brought things up like, oh, well, was she sleeping with him? Was she not? Is she a belligerent drunk? Is she not? Was she drunk? Was she not? Fuck off. Like, that is the greatest injustice in the world. And he's like, oh, they took this kid out of school. I don't know if it's his kid or his niece or cousin. They took this child out of school during the Christmas holidays, which is, by the way, the funnest time to be at school parties, candy canes. They took this child out of school and made the child go to court every day as a prop. When the verdict was read out, they had these kids crying. His family's crying. It's like, what are you doing to these kids? What a disgusting family. Like, bye, Brampton. See you never. <coughs> it's a shame because I listened to some of his music last week and I did like it. But I mean, no, this type of violence cannot be tolerated. So that was very exciting for me this week that Meg Thee Stallion has been vindicated. People can apologize to her now. But I mean, a lot of people are saying her career will never be the same because what? She's like a snitch now. And ugh, it's just so complicated. And that's all I have to say about that. I really can't say anymore. 
um, there was a Twitter hack. And I was up at night feeding Fena late in the evening. And I saw uh, this, this website that said, Dear Elon Musk, I've hacked all the emails and phone numbers and identities of all these celebrity users. And I'm going to sell all this data. If you want to buy it, it's like $4 billion or something. Here's a sample of the data that I have. And I had nothing better to do. So I looked at the sample of the data. And some of the celebrities on there are my friends. And I looked at their phone numbers. And those are their phone numbers. And I looked at their emails. And those are their emails and their addresses and everything else. So this data hack is real. And it said, this was like two days ago. It said it has 400 million users data. Some celebs, some not. So... Watch out as ever for scams. Like your information is out there. And Bobby said, well, that's why I don't give Twitter my phone number. But I do because I need like double factor authentication. People try to log into my shit all the time. I get texts being like, are you logging in from Mexico? No, I'm not. But I need that double factor authentication to keep myself safe. But I mean, there's nothing that keeps you safe anymore. I think the only thing to do is to go off grid. That's it. That's what you have to do. Later that evening, Pierce Morgan tweeted, Andrew Tate shot dead in Dubai. And this had a lot of retweets and a lot of likes. And different parts of the world are awake at different times of the day and night. This we know. And so I thought, holy shit. But I didn't see really anyone else talking about that. And I know the name Andrew Tate. I know that's someone I'm not supposed to like. He's one of these professional antagonists, irritants, Someone who goes online, uh, kind of Joe Rogan style. No, not even Joe Rogan style. Kind of like, who's a British one? Like a Darren Grimes type of style. I don't even know how I know who that is. He just pops up sometimes for me. Saying things like Katie Hopkins used to do. You know, like, you know you're going to make people angry with what you say, so you're going to say it. Even if you only mean 30% of it, you're going to say it as aggressively as you can because you are a professional irritant. There are lots of people making a career out of this now. And Andrew Tate is one. And people are like, oh, he's a misogynist. He's racist. He's this. He's that. But I've never actually listened to anything that he says. And this is like a lot of it happens with Jordan Peterson, too. People like Jordan Peterson is a transphobe. OK, have you been told what he said or have you actually listened to what he said? Because my mom was my mom's here visiting now. If you want to listen to her latest podcast, Violet is on it. I think it's called Grandmother is the episode, but the podcast is called Jewels Says, Jewels Like Jewelry. If you can't spell that, I can't help you. Um, and I said to her, well, she said, I don't like Jordan Peterson's uh, views on child rearing. He says that you should isolate and ostracize a child for behaving badly and what a child needs is like love and support. I said, Jordan Peterson's never said that. Uh, if he has, it contradicts other things that I have heard him say. And I've heard Jordan Peterson say things that I don't agree with, but I've also heard him say, um, with regards to raising children, that you're not doing your son or daughter any favors if you accept their poor behavior in the house and then they go out into society and they're rejected. Your job is to create someone who has enough boundaries and morals and is steadfast and strong and polite and considerate enough that they go out into society and they feel welcome and they have a good life and they're embraced in society because these little shits that you see they you can kick your mom in the face and your mom's like uh, uh tabitha mama doesn't like it when you bite her and then tabitha goes out into the world and everyone's like hey you're a dick and she's like what am i no one told me that like no one prepared me for being rejected and that is what hurts your child the most when they go out into the world and they are rejected. And that's what Jordan Peterson was saying. And he was saying all these other things about biology and nurturing and da-da-da-da. Do I think that every single thing that comes out of this man's mouth is gospel and that he's a genius and, and he can do no wrong? No. I don't feel that way about anyone, let alone Jordan Peterson. So Andrew Tate, I'm like, wow, is he the bad guy everyone says? And like he does some real asshole things. He's trending today because he tweeted Greta Thunberg yesterday like, I have a Bugatti and I have 33 other cars and I have a Ferrari and it runs on pure diesel. And what do you think about that? And uh, she roasted him. She's like, yeah, email me a list of all your car cars at smalldickenergy at gmail.com or whatever. Whatever she said. It was good. She clearly won that exchange. 
So he's a dick. Like he acts like a dick. But I watched a lot of videos of things that he said, and I don't completely disagree with everything that he said. I kind of like Andrew Tate. Uh, I don't subscribe to every single word that comes out of his mouth. But how come, you know, I, I think that I get tweets a lot of the time being like, Catherine, why do you follow libs at TikTok? Why do you follow JK Rowling? Why do you follow this person? First of all, I follow a myriad of people because I like to stay up on the news and I like to know what's going on. And me following someone on social media isn't necessarily an endorsement of them. I follow who I want to follow, piss off. But number two, like, I think everyone would have a richer experience on earth if they could judge people mostly on like each thing that they say and agree that like, okay, I'm not going to agree. I'm not going to be on board with every single viewpoint that you have. But overall, I gain some positivity from watching this. And then there's a lot that I throw away. Like, is that how we used to be? And we're not that way anymore. We're just black and white now. Like, I stan Lady Gaga and that's it. Like, we used to just kind of like some things about people before standing. Standing, if you're like an older listener, it's like a type of fanship where people are all in. You know, they're like, I love everything about you. I love you. And then if you say one thing they disagree with, they're like, oh my God, I can't like her anymore. Yeah, you can. She just said something that you didn't like. What was Andrew Tate talking about? He's talking about freedom. And he was, I mean, he says it in a spicy way. He uses words like slavery, which like a white, oh, is he white? I don't know. He shouldn't throw around that word regardless. I don't know where his accent is from. He's like sort of London, sort of America. I don't, listen, I just am finding out about this guy now. Oh, by the way, he's not dead. Pierce Morgan was hacked. <laughs> That's what I was trying to say. He was hacked in this Twitter thing. So Andrew Tate is alive and well, as far as I know. He's a billionaire, a billionaire. And he says, like, you know, slavery, which is not a word I would have used, was about, like, you get your room and board paid for, but you are, that's it. And you work your ass off, but you just get, like, your house and your food paid for. And he said a lot of people still live this way. We work our asses off, and we just get the basic needs, like, to get by. And that could not be more true than it is right now in Britain. And he says, well, that's not freedom. And then they say to you, well, you have freedom. Of course you do. You can go wherever you want. You can do whatever you want. But then they took that away recently and replaced it with safety. They went, well, you can't go there and you can't say this. You can't post that and you can't have that view. But the reason you can't is because we're keeping you safe. And you can't leave your house and you can't take a train and you can't travel without a mask. But that's because we're keeping you safe. And he says, you were safer before. Like back when you actually had physical and intellectual freedom. And I don't completely disagree with that. And he said something else about... <laughs> What was it about men? Like he does, he gets into territory that I don't like. Sure. He probably wouldn't like me. Sure. I like loads of people who don't like me. I just think, open your mind a little bit. Don't be so angry with someone because they said one stupid thing. Like how often has your grandpa said something stupid, but you still love him because he's your grandpa. And like your friend got drunk and acted like an asshole. All right. Well, that person was being an asshole that day, but I like how generous he is. That's really all I have to say this week, apart from, you know, after Fenna was born, I got straight back to it. Um, I'm sick. I'm breastfeeding. I didn't have a tear, but I did have a little graze. And the midwives were like, well, just don't go up and down the stairs. And I was like, huh? <laughs> don't go up and down the stairs? I have an 18-month-old son. Like, I'm rolling around on the floor. I'm trying to play with Fred, though I'm playing Fred, playing with Fred a bit less than before because I have to hold Fenna basically all the time to feed her regularly. She's not gaining weight yet because she keeps throwing up from this cough. It is heartbreaking, but I hold her as much as I can. I feed her as much as I can. I try to regulate her body temperature with mine as much as I can. But I mean, ladies, when it is not your first baby, holy shit, you don't get to rest. You do not get to relax. And Fred's babysitter was here last week, and she is from a culture where when women have a baby, they are placed upon a lily pad and worshipped. And she's like, white people just do not do this correctly. And I was like, you are telling me. I just get on with it. I went to a party on Fenna's seven-day-old birthday. It was lit, by the way. We had fun. But I mean, damn, it has been a rough road. So, I mean, I think there's nothing I forgot about the birth story from last week. It was all very positive, really. I'm just so lucky. I can't stress enough that I couldn't be doing this if I just had major abdominal surgery. 
And sometimes you have to have a C-section and that's fine. But if you can manage to have your baby at home and if you can relax, I kind of, now that I'm looking back, I do have some regrets because I've been praying this week. I've been like literally calling to God being like, Jesus, please protect my kids. Get Fred well so he's not throwing up in the night. Get Fenna well so she can feed and grow and breathe. Like, please. I've been like literally begging Jesus like an old school religious person would do. And it's been working. And I feel like I just wish during the home birth that I had thought enough to say, like, please let Fenna be in the right position or like whatever the baby is, whoever she is or he is. Let them like calm down. I didn't do enough like visualizing like that or prayer. I just took for granted that she'd be born in 20 minutes and she wasn't. And I just wish that I had been like, all right, this baby, I'm visualizing it coming down the birth canal very easily. You know, do that if you're still waiting for your Christmas baby. Visualize like a fast, seamless, smooth birth because I didn't do that. And I feel like I'm very powerful. And if I had done that, it would have worked. Um, also, uh, if you didn't get my book for Christmas, The Audacity, you can still get it. It's good to read over the holidays. It's spicy. It's full of, you know, things that I don't say on television. Um, my special, of course, is now streaming on Sky and now TV. If you haven't seen my Louis Theroux interview, he's a wonderful man. Saw him at the party Friday. That's on BBC iPlayer. I did Big Fat Quiz of the Year for Channel 4. Bobby and Violet and I are doing a family Christmas hell show that's got lots of fun comedians, including, but not limited to, Johnny Vegas. That is tomorrow on Friday, December 30th on Channel 4. Um, I'm also doing new stand-up on the Jonathan Ross New Year's Eve special. That's New Year's Eve. And then New Year's Day, Romantic Getaway comes out with Ramesh. I would love you to watch that. I might be dying. I don't know. Listen. And I can't smell, by the way. I'm testing negative for covid not that, you know, I was ever riled by the vid, but whatever this disease is. And like someone tweeted me earlier, they're like, oh, winter virus has always existed. Someone has a short memory. It's like, no, I actually have a really long memory and I never got sick before. And now I feel like I've read that COVID wipes out your immune memory as well, like the measles does. So it'll delete immunity to other things that you used to fucking have. And I feel like that's what's happened with this family. And we are all different levels of vaccinated in this house. Let's put it that way. The most vaccinated being me because of travel and work. And I'm the sickest of anyone. And I'm not saying the vaccine did that. I'm just saying it didn't protect me. And everyone goes, well, maybe it did. Really? I've invested in a lot of winter candles. Can I fucking smell them? No, I can't. Uh, all right. Some messages now from our sponsors, if we still have any. When we return, I'm going to look in your emails. See what's troubling you, what advice you need from me, who's killing it. Hartfordshire's Sexiest Woman. Bam! You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Oh, Katarine, how do I get a work-life balance? I share my home with a partner and a daughter. Oh, no, can you say son so no one will recognize me? Well, it's late for that, babe. All right, my issue is I feel my partner constantly puts work first. When he comes home, he sits on his phone. If I ask what he's doing, it's usually work-related. I feel like he's ignoring us after already being at work all day. 
He'll go into work on the days he's booked off as holiday. I've spoken to him about this and he'll say things about how his wages pay for our lifestyle or he's doing it for us. He earns more than I do, but we split bills, childcare, food shopping, etc. I feel like he works for his personal professional development. We own our house, which is amazing, but we don't do anything fancy or buy anything expensive. We haven't been on holiday in a while. Um, I run out of money about a week before payday, and this is a constant stress throughout pretty much every day. I would also say I carry most of the mental load of having a house child. Yeah, no, yes, you do. Mental load, if you guys don't know, is like, you know, it was revealed during the pandemic, especially that like everyone was working from home, but it's the women, if you didn't know this already, who book like the playdates and the lessons and what the child's going to eat and this and that and doing the laundry, like all this stuff that just traditionally lands on us. That's called mental load. And it takes a lot of energy to run a house. I'm constantly frazzled. The house feels like it will never be finished. I don't feel like our current lifestyle is worth the price of feeling like he prioritizes work so much. I feel like he'd be happier living alone, going to work, coming home and relaxing without me nagging all the time. Yes. Yeah, he would. You have just described all of our husbands. Yeah. They would be happier going to work where they can go pee whenever they want without someone on their hip. Um, going to make a cup of tea, like having adult conversations. It is much harder to stay home with small children than it is to go to work. And I go to work and I provide a lavish lifestyle for the people in my family. They don't have to worry about money. I'm very lucky. They're very lucky. But I come home and when I'm home, I am the parent as well. You know, like I would never, never come home from work and be on my phone and be like, oh, Bobby, you can just continue to do all this because I'm the mom. And like, all right, I know, I know personally that there are some dads like you and like me who work and they do the lead childcare. I do know dads like that, but not very many dads like that. Um, men make space for leisure activities. I was doing new stand-up about golf and how like what kind of an asshole has a five-hour hobby just trying stuff out you know and uh, it was a producer backstage at the Jonathan Ross show who was like men make space for their leisure activities and I was like wow I just thought it was so profound to me I was like yeah they do like imagine you were like I'm going out for five hours today for a walk for a walk in the cold it's fucking December Rather than hang out with my family, I would like to go walk in the cold with a bag of clubs like a shit Bear grills. Oh, all right. Uh, women don't do that. So you have two choices. Because I was dating someone like this, and I don't want to call anyone out specifically, but he fathered one of my children. And everything he had to do was so important. And I never really saw any fruition of that work. He was always like, well, I'm very busy doing something crazy. And I was like, okay. And eventually I lost respect for him and we parted ways. And that was one of the greatest achievements of my life. Um, and you can leave this man. You can be like, do you know what? You'd be happier alone working and visiting us every other weekend. That's what you clearly want because you get home and you're not present. Or you can just decide that this is the way it is. Like, I don't know. Like, you can just say, like, well, we have different strengths. I think in my marriage, Bobby needs more sleep than I do. And he's not gotten it this week. And he's frazzled. And I posted pictures of him. And he looked sexy. But a few people, including Bobby, commented, holy shit, is Bobby <laughs> all right? Because he looks knackered. He does look knackered because until Fred was born, I did the nights with Fred, whether I was working or not. As soon as I come home, Fred's on me for the night. And that was fine. But I haven't slept in 18 months. And Bobby was getting some sleep. And now he's, his sleep is broken because Fred was so sick. He's up a lot. Um, but I don't, I Bobby works so hard. I could see he's giving his 100%, which is different than my 100%. But I just don't, I don't compare. I don't go, well, he got seven hours of sleep and I only got four. You know, I don't do that because I go, we have different needs. So maybe you and your husband have different needs and you love him enough and he's effective enough in his own different ways that you're 
it doesn't bother you. But if it really bothers you, it will lead to resentment and that resentment will lead to disrespect and you will split. So you need to talk to him about it. You need to figure out first for you what you're willing to tolerate. And then you need to have a chat and be like, exactly what you said to me. It seems like you'd be happier alone. And when you're here, I still feel like I'm alone. So shall we be alone? Or can you adjust and be more present in the house because I'm lonely? I feel that this mental load of running the house is too much. It's not worth this lifestyle you talk about. And by the way, by the way, if you did a bit more around the house, maybe I could earn more money because I could be more focused on my fucking work and I wouldn't be running out of money at the end of every month since we split shit equally anyway. You split your finances equally, you need to split the house equally. Bitch, is what I would say to him. Depends how much you love him. Ooh, this one is about exes. Catherine, what is normal? I've been split from my ex-husband for five years, and I'm happily about to remarry. Myself, my ex, and our partners have new kids, and we're all amicable. We were married young. It didn't work out, so no hard feelings. However, his mother seems to not be over the fact that we're divorced. She feels it brings shame upon the family. We were very close when I was her daughter-in-law, but she became more controlling and difficult during the 15 years we were related. Holy shit. That's a long time. She recently stopped speaking to her friend of 35 years on the basis that she was still in communication with me as if I'm some sort of enemy, but she's nice to my face and sends me birthday cards, etc. She then told all their mutual friends they'd fallen out and didn't say why, but played the victim card. Just last week, she sent me a Christmas card. I didn't even open it. I just binned it. I didn't send her one for the first time, and I know she'll notice. She's fallen out with almost all her own family, and her husband doesn't see any of his family. This family. Oh, the moment anyone does one tiny thing she doesn't like, she just cuts them out or thinks she's the one who made the decision so is in the right. She's a pretty intimidating person and she's very good at being the victim. My daughter tells me she rolls her eyes or changes the subject whenever I am mentioned. What should I do? Should I confront her for being fake? No. Or just be the bigger person and ignore it? Yes. I feel so tempted to really give her the calling out she deserves from so many people, but I'm not sure I'd come out well for doing it. Oh, yeah, you don't need to do that. Uh-oh. Fenna, what's the matter? Hang on. I could just be professional and cut this stuff out, but I feel like I have days to live, so I'm just not going to do that. Um, Fenna was crying, and now she's not. Um, she's the best baby, by the way, so easy. All right, so this woman's a bitch, and she's a problem for everyone, and people uh like that get punished by you know the kids grow up and your daughter's not going to want to go over there and watch this woman roll her eyes when you're mentioned and you know everyone oh my goodness oh my god i'm sorry fen fen huh i'm sorry you just have a cough here but you need to eat here you go the last thing you need to do is have words with this woman. Any enemy that I have in my life, which are not many, they get less of my attention than a fucking slug. I would never compose any type of speech or rant or opinion to deliver to them because they are scum between my toes. Do you know what I mean? Like, let this woman drift off into the distance and like you know you don't have to tell someone what you know you just have to know it you know she's passive aggressive you know she sounds like a narcissist she's fake you know she rolls her eyes around your daughter and you are very good friends with her son and you have a lovely amicable relationship you're co-parenting beautifully like that is all you need you don't need to see this woman and soon your daughter will pull away from her too and she will Faster in loneliness, and that is how she'll realize what a prick she is. Never. You know, there are people's moms that I don't like. And back when I had relationships with these people, I would confront the moms. Like, as a mom, I would be like, what the fuck have you done with your son? <laughs> but, um, you know, there's a certain mom in my life who doesn't really like me, and I don't, I've never risen to her once. It's like, all right, I've never risen to her, even a little bit. And, like, these people just disappear. 
If you don't talk to them, you don't think about them, you don't address them. Why should you address her? Why should she receive the honor of your audience? Do not confront this woman. Just slowly face her out. You know what you know. You've already done the right thing, not sending her a Christmas card. And um, if she wants to confront you and act all shocked, like, oh, but how come our relationship? Just be like, oh, because you were telling people not to hang out with me and um, my daughter felt some tension when my name was brought up and I just thought I would gracefully bow out of our relationship. You know, like, that is as much as I would give this woman. Keep your dignity. Always. Oh, this is very interesting because I've had a glass of wine today. Um, Okay, this person is from Glasgow. Don't let that fact put you off. It, It sounds like a Glaswegian might be making a case for drinking. But Glasgow, I love your beautiful city. I'm on your side. She said, congrats on your baby. Just listening to the podcast where you talk about drinking while breastfeeding. I'm a breastfeeding peer supporter, and I thought you'd find this study interesting on drinking alcohol while breastfeeding that I found in a breastfeeding group. Now, as with any study, you know, there are lots of conflicting, contradicting studies, but everything that I've read recently also backs this up, and I've read more than one. This refers to one, but basically it says, if you can find the baby, you can feed the baby. Basically, drinking while feeding is not about the alcohol content that would get through to your milk. You would have to drink a lot of alcohol for it to affect your milk enough for the baby to be as affected um, as breast milk's made from blood, not stomach contents. It's more about safely holding and looking after the baby. You probably already know this. I've been breastfeeding for 16 months. I have the odd drink, and I will definitely be having a few at Christmas. So, yeah, if your blood alcohol level... Like, what is the blood alcohol level to be drunk? Uh, Let's say it's like 0.02. Oh, God, I'm going to have to search this now. And I only have one hand, so I can't pause the record because I'm feeding Fena. What is alcohol over the limit level? Let's find out. It says that it is uh, 0.05 is the legal alcohol limit in England. So if your blood alcohol is 0.05, then your breast milk is not above 0.05. So you imagine taking a drink and the alcohol in your drink is 0.05. A glass of wine, the alcohol content that is 12%. Spirits are 40%. A beer is like 5 or 6%. 0.05. If you drank that drink, it wouldn't affect you. So let's say, and by the way, if if your blood alcohol is 0.05, you shouldn't be breastfeeding because you're drunk. But I'm saying like that is the max. Let's say it was. Your milk would still not be like full of alcohol. It would be so microscopic. But you shouldn't be breastfeeding because it's not safe for you to be holding and feeding your baby if you're drunk. So like I agree with that study. Everyone has their own thing. I'm sure I'll get lots of shit for this. People like, now you can uh, can have a glass of wine. Fine, 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 fine. Guys, we're all from Europe. Oh my gosh, I forgot about how mad this made me until someone wrote in about it and it makes you mad too and I can't wait to read this email. Oh, I'm angry all over again. Catherine, oh, I was very much on the same side as you when it came to social media influencers shoving cameras in the faces of people in need just to show how much they helped. It seems cruel. I forgot who said it, but so what if helping the displaced and people in need goes viral? Maybe the influencer wouldn't have helped in the first place, but if this is what it takes for people to lend a hand, good on them. No. Okay, so what I'm talking about is it stretches beyond um, influencers, really. It starts with, like, gap years, and what makes me angry is when a bunch of privileged white 17 year olds go to somewhere in Africa and they take selfies with people's children and they post these on their socials and they go oh my god I'm a humanitarian I built like a special ramp and they post pictures if and and the people in the community go why are these whores allowed near my child's school you know what I mean because they're very religious sometimes and these like young white women I'm sorry, but in some things that I've read, for lack of a better term, are like whores to them. They're like, why are they allowed in my child's school? Why are they taking a photo of my child and putting it on their Facebook or Instagram? 
And I agree. Like, let's say someone from another culture with more money than, you know, there was in my village. My God. Are you listening to this? Jeez, Fena. And I can't tell you, she's like 100% better almost. This is like the good day. So let's say some Qatari people. It's a very rich country. Let's say they just showed up at my son's school one day when he's older. And we're like, oh, we're bringing you fidget spinners. And like took a bunch of pictures with Fred and put it on all their Qatari Instagrams without my consent. I'd be fucking livid. And this is what people do. It's called like poverty tourism. And I fucking hate it. And they do it in their own communities as well. They'll be like, oh, I've handed someone at Burger King $100 and I filmed them accepting it. And I'm such a goddamn hero. And this person is saying, oh, well, if they're doing good in the community, who cares? Who cares is me. In the Jewish religion, they describe three levels of charity. And that's like charity that you just do and you don't talk about. And you do it because you see a need. And then the second charity is like, you do it because you see a need, but you kind of like pat yourself on the back for it and you post about it. And then the third lowest kind of charity is when you just do it for recognition. Like when a celebrity aligns themselves like as a brand ambassador with like some charity and they don't actually do a lot for the charity or donate. They just do it to make themselves look good. Those are the three levels of charity as I understand them from these Jewish teachings. And the only type of charity that I'm okay with is the first one. Sometimes it's good to spread awareness. You know, like I talk about charities that I like because I want people to know about these charities, but I don't say like, and I courageously donated, you know, like I think that's gross. Never in my life would I go put a camera in a homeless person's face and give them a wad of cash. I think that is exploitative. I think it is self-serving, egotistical. I think it's disgusting. And all right, yeah, the person got like $200 at the end of it. It's a very like seedy silver lining. You know, it's sort of like they didn't, they didn't have consent. You could have given it to them with their consent. And the way that you went about it was for the wrong reasons and it didn't involve their consent. And that's what I hate. Ugh. Also, after the following these pages, many of them use the money they make to create care packages like giving tents, socks, food, sanitary products to people in need. Personally, I don't do this, shove a camera in the face of someone who I've helped, but I'm not really mad at the ones who do. Worst case scenario, they're just doing it for the likes, but they still gave a hand to someone who desperately needed it. I mean, maybe definitely blur their faces or ask permission. Yes. I'm not sure what goes on behind the scenes, but it's still not... It's still not consent if you ask them because they're in such a vulnerable position that they're not able to give informed, empowered consent. It's like if you see a homeless young woman and you go, would you like to do a sexual favor for $200? She's not giving you her consent. Like she's between a rock and a hard place. So she's going to be like, "Ugh, yeah, okay. That's not consent. She's homeless. At the end of the day, homelessness is at an all-time high in my city and probably many other places. After the pandemic, inflation, and many workplaces simply shutting down, there are so many more people in need. So do it for the likes if you're not going to do it for any other reason. Thoughts? My thoughts? Or I disagree with you whole fucking heartedly. And this happens at big levels as well. I've been to huge charity balls. And I know they raise awareness. I get it. But it makes me very uncomfortable that these balls are like, oh, you can bid on this raffle and that's how we'll get your money for the charity. And you could win like a signed poster of this boxer that I, whenever I go to these things, I just give money. I don't play the games or ask for anything in return. And I feel very disgusting even drinking the champagne. I think it's like, what are we doing here? Just give to, to charity if you want to. Or like a lot of charities are corrupt. So like just if you see someone in need in your community, just give them something if you can. That's what you should do. And they're not paying some big CEO or support a grassroots charity. There's a wonderful charity in and around Liverpool called WISC. It's W-H-I-S-C, Women's Health and Information Support Center, I'm guessing. But um, I played for them on Limitless Wind. Spoiler alert, I lost. 
but they're a great charity and they're very grassroots. So when you choose a small charity, you know that the money's going to the best place as directly as it can. Um, so there you go. I'm not tuning my own horn. I fucking lost. I lost Limitless Win in a crashing humiliation. If you haven't seen that, that aired on Christmas Day and you can catch up on ITV. It's a great show starring Anton Deck. And um, I was a complete loser on it, but I had fun playing. Uh, thank you for listening to my last breaths. Email me anytime, Catherine. No, that's not what it is. It's t- it's telling everybody everything at gmail.com. Please watch my special and share about my special if you don't mind, because that's like great. And if you're wondering why you can't access it in other countries, it's because they wanted me to reshoot it. And I didn't have time because I think I knew I was going to die. Um, thank you for, for everything. Happy New Year. <laughs> When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code GLOW.